Yes, but can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Yeah, now I can hear us both. What the hell? It's very strange. I don't know. I don't know. I seriously, I spent 15 minutes and made like I, probably 12 recordings to make sure that everything was fine. I, I'm telling you. <laughs> I, and I, re, I include most, I, I, half the time we include this stuff in the show, like me having problems with Skype. <laughs> I am like, like Mr. Magoo with Skype. Like nothing can possibly. <laughs> I never want to have a podcast where it actually just plain works. It's always something. <laughs> well, the horrible thing is that I work on audio recording apps. <laughs> like this is what I do every day, every day, and somehow it just it just screws up every time that I actually. I mean, when I test things, it's fine. It's always fine. And I, te- you know, sometimes I run kind of long tests. I'm like, all right, all right, things are are going well. And then no, actually using them, something always breaks. It's it has to be Skype's fault. It can't be any of our. Um, perfect, perfectly um, usable software. No, of course, um, not. which always functions um, at a hundred percent. So, you, anyway, Krista Mergen, you sound great. Oh, great! Thanks. You do as well. Thank you. I have so much to talk about. I am so excited because the watch stuff came out, and yes, are you excited about the watch? I'm excited about the watch, and also, um, I don't know. This this happens sort of with. Um, I feel like every time there's a, either a big update to an Apple product or a brand new Apple product, I'm always like, well, do I really need that? And then, of course, I know the day that it comes out, I'm going to be like, oh, God, give this, give me this thing. Um, so I'm excited about it, but also a little like, mm, I don't know. I'm excited <laughs> because I think it's kind of cool, but I also think that it is, it, it, it's this weird mix of Apple being way ahead of where they've ever been with a new product before combined with that there's still a lot of mystery around it there is yeah there's quite a bit of mystery as to what i mean even even with um the watch kit um out now i feel like there's still mystery about what you'll you'll actually be able to do um in this sort of first round before we can build truly native apps on the on the watch um at least for me yeah i mean i i the day that it came out I think. I think it was the very day. Maybe it was. No, I think it was the same day. I was out in San Francisco because I was at the event and they announced the thing. Mm-hmm. And that and, and I was down in Cupertino um, uh, or not. Yeah. For the event. And then I came back to San Francisco and I like put my notes together. And, uh, you know, Michael Lopp, right? Uh, Rans and Repose. Mm-hmm. And he is in San Francisco now. He works there. He's at Pinterest. And we met and we had a drink. And and the first thing that he said to me was that this is weird because it feels like this is like year three of the watch because there's like two different sizes. There's all these different bands. Like it feels like a third generation Apple product. Like, okay, now we're going to give you two sizes and we're going to give you choices of the styles. Whereas the the traditional way of doing an Apple product is here's the one, here's the, here's the first one. And there's one way. Right. And it's very limited. And yeah, you're going to, it's, everybody's going to have the exact same size and the exact same band and you're going to like it. And that's it. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. And it just feels like they've skipped like a year or two. And it seems the same right. way with the SDK. Like, I know that it's not truly native apps yet, that we're we're just projecting apps from extensions from the iPhone. But the, we don't... Yeah, but it's so huge compared to, like, the iPhone SDK. Right. We, um, or, you know, like, when that... That took, like, a year or something, right? And, like, it was just, it was just web apps at first. Right. We don't even have the watch yet. And yet we can start right. thinking about the apps for it. Yes. It seems crazy. Yeah, that's incredible. 
That is, yeah, I know. I, I, yeah, that's a, it's really, that really puts it in perspective, actually. Because I was kind of like, oh, well, I don't know, because it's just an extension. And, but no, that really puts it in perspective. Because, yeah, especially when you, especially when you compare it um, with the iPhone launch. And um, I remember Nevin, you know, before the SDK was ever even announced and before they announced anything about third party apps, he was like, oh, I'm going to make a web app for it because I bet that's what they'll, um, I bet that's what they'll say at first. And then it was. And people were just so mad um, that there wasn't an SDK for a long time. I think what made people mad was at WWDC 2007. And I wrote about this at the time. And I, uh, But I think what made people mad wasn't that, there, that they didn't say, look, we're, we're just not ready for it yet. And, you know, in the future, you can write apps, but you can't do it yet. We're not ready. Because everybody would have said, oh, we're a little disappointed, but we understand. But what they did was at WWDC, I mean, it was Scott Forstall. And they were like, we have a really – and this was the quote, unquote, the words – sweet solution for all of you who want to write apps for this phone. And everybody got so excited. Everybody was ready to stand up. Everybody was ready to like storm the stage. And then they were like, you can write web apps. And it was like, oh, yeah. Uh, And I I called it on Daring Fireball. I called it a shit sandwich. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. You know, I don't think I've ever told this story. This is funny. Um, So it, that was like, I guess Monday because it was the first day of WWDC 2007 and I called that that a shit sandwich and everybody was disappointed mm-hmm. and it was because they set us up by calling it a sweet solution um, and it's still it was only like five years since I'd been writing during Fireball and I'd had it was like when I, I I'd started getting press credentials for the keynotes and stuff like that but I was a, a lot less popular than than it during Fireball's gotten to this point And, um, like a day later, it was like Tuesday at WWDC and I was riding the escalator and right behind me was Phil Schiller. And I'd never spoken to him face to face in my life at that point. And I was like, holy shit, Phil Schiller. And I was like, Oh, (laughs) so I turned around I was like, uh, and I was, you know, it was that, that weird nerd way where it's like, at first you think I should introduce myself. And then you think, Oh my God, no, I know I should just turn around and (laughs) be silent. And I was like, no, I should totally, the professional thing to do would be to introduce myself. Cause I know he knew my name cause I know he, he'd sent me email and stuff. And I was like, Hey, uh, Mm -hmm. I'm John Gruber. And he was like, Oh, nice to meet you. And then the first thing he said to me, he goes, nice to meet you. And he goes, I got to tell you, I don't think that's a shit sandwich. <laughs> nice. And I, oh man, that's awesome. I was so totally blown away because I was like, no fucking way. He read my shit on the day that it's I wrote been, it. Yeah. On the right. Exactly. Phil Schiller stays up late and reads your blog. And then we got in like kind of an argument about like a very, very friendly, cordial <laughs> argument about whether or not uh, writing web apps for the iPhone was just a shit sandwich. Right. Right. Um, oh, that's really cool. That's a fun story. But anyway, we don't have to write shit sandwiches for the uh, for the Apple Watch, right? No, yeah, it's actually pretty um, pretty awesome, um, and so and so soon too. I mean, I remember um, with, when I was watching the uh, the Apple Watch keynote, I was like, wait, in November? That seems, I mean, yeah, just in comparison, I mean, it just seems um, really fast, and it's like they were they were just really thinking about this from from the beginning about how um, how they were going to get third-party developers like involved like right away, which is really cool, really nice to see. Yeah, I, I really think that it shows that it's like, you know, because I know they said when they unveiled it in September that they've been working on it for three years, but it makes me think that they've mm-hmm. been thinking about stuff like third-party apps for three years too. Oh, yeah, definitely. 
Yeah. Uh, well, I'm guessing, yeah, that they, well, the iOS um, app store was just, I mean, it's just sort of changed, you know, everything and, and influenced them a lot um, when building this from the ground up. Because with the iPhone, you know, they probably, they were just working so hard to get that um, first initial product off the ground. Like they, they, you know, they had ideas probably for third-party developer stuff, but not at, at the outset. At, anyway, not for, not for a while. And so, yeah, it's pretty cool that they could um, envision that, you know, from, from the beginning with this. And then it makes me wonder, like, well, what's going on with the Apple TV? God damn it. <laughs> they want an SDK for the Apple TV. Anyway, that's a, that's a very different um, story. But It's funny. Um, to, it is God. funny, though, because it's it, 10 years. You know what? It's funny, though, because it's th- those are the two things that everybody thinks are next. Well, I mean, obviously, the watch is definitely next. They've announced it. But, you know, all year yeah, long, yeah. people have been thinking, you know, there have been rumors that they're going to do a watch. Um, but it's funny because... TV and the watch are sort of the extremes of computing in terms of being like, and and Apple keeps using this word intimate, that the watch is the most intimate thing they've ever made. Intimate, intimate, intimate. They keep using it, but it's true. Mm -hmm. It, I don't think that it's, I don't think that it's like marketing hype. I think, I mean, and whether the watch is going to be, well, it has to be personal. Yeah. Cause it's so close to you. It's, on your mm-hmm. skin all the time, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I, and, and the TV is the opposite. It is the least intimate computing <laughs> destination that they could possibly make because you sit far away sure. from it. You know, you're, you know, you, you, instead of measuring it in inches, you're you passively watch things. Yeah. Right. And yeah. famously, you're, you know, it's a passive device that you kind of, you, you watch right. and when you tune out, you know, your mind, you know, kind of blanks when you're watching TV. Um, and so it's kind of funny that those are the two things. It's interesting. <laughs> I don't know. And I wonder though, if there's like a design connection between them though, because it does seem though that overall their design aesthetic is sort of zeroing in on a, a sort of style. Um, yeah, oh, that's a good point. And I wonder how that could be that something is as different as a watch and a TV, if they could share a certain aesthetic. I don't know. Oh, sure. Well, yeah, I would love, um, I mean, so the, the Apple TV finally got, um, a bit of a, a UI refresh, but it's not, I mean, it's just sort of like a, a new coat of paint. It's not for me. I mean, it's just not a big, it's not a huge update. It just sort of like got rid of the the glossiness and it's, and it's more in line with um, like iOS seven and eight and with, um, and with Yosemite. But um, yeah, it would be really cool um, if it, if it borrowed from the, the watch's aesthetic. I really, I mean, so far from screenshots um, and from the videos I've seen of the watch, it it looks beautiful. Um, I don't know. And even just things like controlling um, Apple TV with, with the, with the watch app, because the iOS app that controls Apple TV is terrible. Um, I, so anyway, I mean, that's one one little bridge. But like, yeah, if, if the UI of um, of the TV could somehow be influenced by the watch, that would be great. But I also just see, I don't know, iOS apps on, on the TV would be amazing. I mean, just games and I don't know, all kinds of apps. Do, do you, so you have an Apple TV? I do, yeah. I, I Every time I mention being frustrated by the remote, the physical remote that comes with oh, it. Oh, God. And I, oh, I hate that it's worst. infrared because it's like, <laughs> yes. like our TiVo, I think we're like two generations in with a, a Bluetooth TiVo remote. So you don't have to point right. the remote at anything. And you get mm-hmm. used to that. You get used to not having to point it. And the stupid Apple TV right. remote. And, and, and I always think like, I'll bet it's the battery. I'll bet the battery is weak and that's why I can't do it. And I'll buy a new 
stupid little, you know, whatever that, that battery <laughs> is. I'll buy a new one, put it yeah. in, and it's exactly the same. And it's not the battery. It just yeah. sucks. Oh, it's just finicky. Yeah, that thing is just so... And it's, I mean, it's only like slightly better than the, the horrible plastic one that, that used to come with the Apple TV and with, and with MacBooks like years ago. Oh, the white one. Um, right, right. And it's just, yeah, remember? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just, it's no good. And we have a Roku 3 as well. And, um, you know, it's about the same price, I think, as the Apple TV. And it just, like, the the interface is, is ugly, but it just does so much more. And it just makes me kind of sad because the... the controller is also like a game controller and you can plug headphones into it and it's it's not you know sleek and sophisticated it's sort of chunky and and sort of like a friendly design but it's so much better like as an actual remote control it's um i don't know kind of makes me sad every time i bring this up especially (laughs) on the show and i know there's people who who are listening right now and they're already firing up their email they're already writing the email to me telling me this and i'm telling you right now stop don't send me the email they're gonna say oh but use the app (laughs) For the iPhone, the iPhone app. No, the app is terrible. The app is worse. Sorry. The app is it worse is. for well, everything except typing passwords. Right. Oh, yeah, exactly. Well, that's, you know, assuming that the uh, the app will connect with the Apple TV, which sometimes mine still doesn't. It'll just be like, can't find Apple TV. And so it's like, okay, by the time the, the app launches and connects to Apple TV, I could have used the terrible little remote to, to do whatever it was I needed to do. Um, but, yeah, it's just not, I don't know. It's just a stinker. It's um, it, it, to me. No, to me though, it's 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 the to me the the single biggest deal with Apple TV is the remote. Honestly, I don't care if they don't. Yeah. I would love it if they added apps. I'd love it if they had an SDK. Uh, I don't. But if they came out with the exact same looking and and logical interface, but just had like a Bluetooth remote that just always worked. Like every time it just worked. Yeah. Every time I hit up, (laughs) it goes up. And every time I hit down, it goes down instead of having to (laughs) point the damn thing. I would be so much happier with it. (laughs) Yeah. And the the stupid app. Definitely. So anyway, I do think, I think (laughs) that the watch could be, that could be a huge deal. Like a watch thing that knows like, I, and I think this is possible that it could know, like, um, not just that you're in the same house, like on the same Wi-Fi network, but if you're close enough that you could be watching Apple TV, you know, so that it right. it would know. And if there's something playing, then the watch could, like, have the playback controls automatically. That would be so... That'd be so great. Oh, that would be such... Yeah. It would be a game changer. I know that that's a cliche. It would. But it, yeah. I mean, it would just be... <laughs> Oh, it would. And it's, um, I mean, it's not far-fetched at all. I mean, it seems like that would be a pretty straightforward um, app for them to make. Even, I mean, for Apple to release natively on the on the watch, it'd be great. So here's hoping. Well, I, I think Tim Cook <laughs> said that. It, I don't know if it was on the Charlie Rose interview, but one of the interviews, he said, like, you know, after they announced the watch and now that he's out and about wearing the watch, he's even said that mm-hmm. one of the things he does with it is control his Apple TV. Oh yes! Oh, I didn't. Yeah, I haven't. I missed a missed. So it's definitely. Oh, cool. I, I mean, whether they're going to ship that in the initial version or not, but you know, they obviously have it working. You know, like as a beta, it's already working. Oh, good. And I can't help <laughs> but think that it's the potential is there for it to be totally. It might require a brand new Apple TV, but if it's still only ninety nine bucks, it's only ninety nine bucks. So so what? Buy a new Apple TV. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But if it could be like. You know, I know that you're on the, your stupid couch watching your stupid TV. So here, 
here's the playback controls for Apple TV, pause. And then you can just tap your wrist yeah. to pause it and get up and, you know, refresh your beverage or whatever. It would be so great. Yeah. Oh, it would. Yeah. Do you guys make popcorn? <laughs> Do you make popcorn at home? Oh, yeah. I love popcorn. Um, Nevin does not like it because the uh, kernels stuck, stick in his teeth. <laughs> but um, I'm a big popcorn fan. Can I? He is, you know, he has, uh, he's a very particular man. <laughs> Can I tell you that I'm um, 41 years old and I have only like three months ago, my, my mother-in-law, Amy's mom, actually gave us this tip and it is like the greatest tip ever. I, it made me think of it because we were, I, the, the idea of being lazy and just watching movies on, on the couch. Um, do you know this to use uh, coconut oil when you cook your popcorn? Oh, no. Oh, my God. Sounds it is the though. secret to like what like movie theater popcorn tastes like. Oh, interesting. So, okay. it, 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 it's, well, that would make sense. Yeah. Cause I know that movie theater popcorn is usually vegan. So it's maybe that's what they, no, it's, they you don't need anything. You don't need anything else. All you need is plain popcorn, like just whatever, you know, you don't have to buy any special popcorn. You buy coconut oil and just salt mm -hmm. and you put, and nice. coconut oil is weird and, and you buy it. And, uh, anybody listening who follows this tip, I'm telling you, it's genius. <laughs> um, nobody told me that's what she said. She said, just buy coconut oil. And I went to the supermarket and I look and coconut oil is, um, it has a melting point of 76 degrees. So it's going to be solid. Yeah. So it's very, it's like congealed. Yeah. yeah it's congealed. It's, like it's, it's more like, stuff. it's more like butter. Like it's something you don't pour it. You scoop yeah. it. It's like a, it's like a, right. yeah. Congealed is the perfect word. That's normal. It's exactly right. You put like two teaspoons of it in your pan and then you put the popcorn in and it it makes the popcorn amazing it's it's oh, exactly right. it is the it. secret to movie theater like uh good movie theater popcorn mm, i want some popcorn <laughs> i have no idea where that aside came from <laughs> but it's good it's it's cooking with john gruber yeah exactly that's um, it, there's like three things i know how to cook and one of them is popcorn <laughs> and everything i know how to cook is equally simple uh i know how to make coffee mm -hmm. i know how to cook popcorn right and it's just, you know, oh, that's important. in the same way that coffee is just ground up coffee beans and then you pour hot water on top of it. Uh, cooking popcorn <laughs> is put uh, coconut oil in a pan and heat it at medium and then pour popcorn in and salt. So that's uh, the extent nice. of my uh, uh, cooking. Cool. I'm not very talented in the kitchen. <laughs> Now we just have to find a way to remove all of the uh, the little kernel bits. So, uh, you know, I did I'll, see I'll something. I saw something at Whole Foods where they're I didn't I didn't buy it because it's it's like everything at Whole Foods where it's like it's so expensive. I was like I don't know about this. There's like a uh, I forget the name. I don't know the name of it. But the, and if you look at where they sell the unpopped popcorn, they they had a mm -hmm. they had a special popcorn and it would they were they were indeed very tiny kernels. And it's called like mm -hmm. something, something little popcorn. And it advertises as doesn't get stuck in your teeth. That's, that's oh, something, ab okay. something about this right. special brand of popcorn, <laughs> which is slightly more, it's not like super expensive, but it's slightly more expensive than regular popcorn. Um, that when it pops, there is no, nothing is left of the shell. The entire shell, I don't know. Oh, man. Disintegrates okay, or something. I have to try it. So you may have to get that for Nevin. Yeah, I think I will. Because I, I, I really think he would enjoy popcorn uh, were it not for that. See, I would have thought that he was into popcorn, but that <laughs> it was that he, he put like uh, crazy flavorings on the popcorn. Oh, sure. No, I'm sure that he would really get into that, like making, you know, like masala popcorn or something, you know, really interesting. But um, he's just, yeah, he just can't abide that. Um, 
the little kernel sticking in his teeth. It's too much. Yeah, I can kind of <laughs> hear that. I, I do. It is sort of the downside to popcorn. Everything has a downside, though. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't stop me. Um. All right. Let's take okay. a break, and I will thank our first sponsor, and it's our good friends at Hover. You ever heard of Hover? Hover. I have heard of Hover. 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 Is uh, the best. I say this with no qualifications. The best domain name registrar on the internet, and they've been around forever. They've been around, you know, I don't know, twenty years. Um. They're the best. And it's a, such a scammy business registering domains. Everybody else is, it's all uh, uh, crazy ads when you go to get a domain name. And then after you register the domain, there's all these upsells on things like getting privacy for your personal information on the domain and paying extra to uh, secure the domain and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Hover gets rid of all that nonsense. You pay one price, and it's great. It's not the lowest price, that's for sure. Um, it's the fairest price, though. And the prices are low. They're totally, totally competitive. They're very, very reasonable. And that's it. There's no upsell. And everything is secure, and you get great 24-hour tech support. Uh, and they have this amazing thing. I say it every time I do the sponsor read for Hover, but it is truly amazing, which is valet domain transfer. So you sign up for Hover, you open your account, and now you're a paying Hover customer. You can go to them and say, look, I've got all these other domains that I've registered in the last 15 years, and some of them are over here, and some of them are over there. I want them all in my Hover account. You just give them your information at your other domain registrars, and they go and move everything over, and they switch the DNS. Oh, and that's great! Everything just happens automatically, and they're they're like experts on this. They do this. The people who do the domain transfers, that's all they do is they're like DNS experts. So they're not going to screw it up. They're going to do everything right. And next thing you know, all of your domains are in your Hover account, and they're all transferred, and all the DNS is updated. And no service is interrupted. It's an amazing thing. It sounds too good to be true. It sounds like something, well, you'd have to pay X amount of dollars per domain to do it. No, you sign up for Hover. You have a Hover account. If you have 100 domains at some other shitty domain registrar, just give them your information, and they'll move all 100 of them over to your, hundred, over to your Hover account free of charge. It's just part of being a Hover customer. Super, super great. Um, so if you want to register a domain name, or if you have domain names already, but it's at some shitty registrar and you want to move them to someplace that's awesome, <laughs> move them to Hover. Go to hover.com slash the talk show, hover.com slash the talk show. And when you sign up, here's the, here's the, uh, the coupon code. They, they give me one, uh, a new one for every episode. This episode's uh, code is vodka, V-O-D-K-A, vodka. Uh, and you'll get 10% off your order. So go to hover.com slash the talk show. And when you sign up, use the coupon vodka and uh, you'll save 10%. So my thanks to Hover. Nicely done. So here's the thing I've been obsessed, most obsessed with, with the watch is the font. San Fran. Now we have it. Oh yeah, it's beautiful. Now we have a name mm -hmm. for it, San Francisco. So yeah, you mm -hmm. like it? It's pretty. I really like it. I heard yes. from somebody inside yes. Apple a couple of like, after it was announced and before they, they gave the name. And I was asking, like, does anybody know what the name is? Somebody told me internally they were referring to it as uh, Dinvetica, 
which it makes me <laughs> laugh. And I think it's so true because it feels like two thirds Helvetica, one third Din, which is uh, for anybody mm -hmm. who doesn't, everybody knows Helvetica, but Din is uh, just capital letters D I N. I don't even know what it stands for, but it's like a font from Germany. It's like a, uh, I think it, I think, I think I, I could be making this up, but I think it was created as sort of like a, a font for signage in Germany at some point. Um, and it really, that's what, that's what San Francisco looks like. It looks like, a, you know, two thirds Helvetica, one third Din. And I think it's very, very, very pleasant. Mm -hmm. It's a really nice sans. And um, I, yeah, I've been, I've been wondering if Apple would make its own, it's, I mean, it just seems so natural that, that, um, that Apple would create its very own, you know, specialized sensor. And, yeah, it's it's beautiful. Yeah, I oh, think. Well, <laughs> one of the things that's so interesting is, um, so Microsoft has their own UI font, Seg Sego, Segui, Segway. I don't know how you pronounce it, but it um, yeah, looks like Frutiger, but it's you know it's what they've mm -hmm. used for Metro and all of the modern versions of of uh, Windows, and. Uh, Google has Roboto, which is their font for Android, and they use it. They use it in their iOS apps too. It's like Google's UI font. So Microsoft and Google have their own custom fonts for user interfaces. And Apple, which is the most, to me, clearly the most design-oriented of the major tech corporations, has used uh, Helvetica, which is a great font. But it's funny. It's always struck me as a little, I don't know, ironic that they don't have their own custom font. Because they're so um, design focused, and yeah, so it, it's it's been a long time coming, and and I'm, I'm happy that, to see it is happening. It's interesting to me that it um, that the 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 kit that you download or the design what do they call them design resources has two versions of mm -hmm. San Francisco uh, display mm -hmm. and text, which is it, it, right. A lot of designy fonts, you know, fonts you use for graphic design come with display and text variants where the smaller sizes are called text and then at, at intended for larger sizes, you call it display and then it changes the kerning, it changes some of the letter shapes. Uh, I mm -hmm. don't know of any UI font that's had that distinction before. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think. Did you see there's a thing? I mean, at least not, not as... Well, somebody has a GitHub project where you can, they, they, I don't know what, what kind of, there's some kind of hack you can do to the font files to say, to set certain bits that make it look like the system font. And then you can run, if you, you install this version of San Francisco and reboot your Mac and Yosemite runs with that as the system font. Oh, right. Yes, I did. I did see that. Um, I mean, I didn't. I just saw it as a, someone tweeted about it. I didn't follow the link. Um, but that's a cool idea. I did it. I like it because <laughs> I'm an idiot. <laughs> did you? And how, how's it? <laughs> well, how's it going? I ran it for a day, and I at first I was very very excited, and I liked it, and I kind of mm -hmm. had that feeling like back in the day, like 20 years ago, when I would run like system extensions that would change the look of the windows and stuff like that. Uh, Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mm -hmm. totally felt very cool about it. And there are certain things that are definitely nicer about it than Helvetica as a UI font. But overall, it's like not quite right. It's just a yeah. little too, I don't know. There's something about it that that doesn't work. You know, okay. it's, it's I, I know that with the UI version, 
you know, the, the UI font in, in Yosemite, that it's not just plain Helvetica Noia. It's, it's like a, yeah, they've tweaked it, you know, to their own, um, you know, just to, just to, um, make it better for, for Yosemite in, in particular and at different sizes, um, make it more legible and, uh, the shape's nicer, but yeah, so it's like their own version, but it's still, you know, Helvetica. It, but it makes me think, though, that with San Francisco, that it makes me appreciate the way that they've sweated the details to make Helvetica Noia nicer as the Mac system font. And I wouldn't be mm-hmm. surprised if in the future it it is the system font on iOS and or Mac, too. But when if and when that mm-hmm. happens, they're going to have to put that same amount of work into tweaking it to make it perfect for it. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, like they'll they'll probably have to tweak it a lot because yeah, if if San Francisco if San Francisco as it exists now was made um, specifically for the Apple Watch, I mean it's made for this tiny screen and they haven't really put a lot of work into making it um, viewable at, at you know and the larger sizes that you would use um, on the Mac or in, or in iOS. So right, but that would be um, I don't know. I could see it working nicely. You know, yeah, if they if they did um, tweak it, but. You can see it working nicely as a system font. I think it's some weird combination of like how many pixels high the font is combined with the physical size. Like if you measure with an actual ruler, how big it's going to be when you look at it. Like mm-hmm. it's not just like, oh, make 16 point font look perfect. It's make 16 point font look perfect at a quarter of an inch high as opposed to like on a watch where it's going to be much smaller. Right. On a watch, it seems like it's really, I, I don't know. I remember being blown away by it in the presentation. And then at the event, when I actually got to look at the watch, the actual watches, you know, hands on, it looks oh, so lucky. cool. <laughs> God, it uh, seems so long. Yeah, it looks amazing. I can't wait to actually get my hands on one and, and see what it's like. Yeah, it's been nice, um, an adjustment away from Lucida Grand. At first it was strange on, on Mac. You're like, oh, wow, there's just Helvetica everywhere. And, and some of the, um, you know, especially like the first release, like with iOS as well, like there were just some um, sizes at which like it wasn't really working for me at first. But I feel like now, um, like, I don't know, it, it's it's working really well um, as a system bond on the Mac. Yeah, I, I definitely, I like it, but it's, mm-hmm. it's, been an adjust as somebody who obsesses over type it's been an adjustment like sure and you know uh, lucida worked lucida grand grande this is another one of those things i have no idea how you pronounce it i always it. call it lucida grande i'm not sure if i'm saying it right I, at all yeah like but. do you pronounce the e on grande 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 yeah i don't know i don't know but what do you say at starbucks yeah, it's I grande right yeah do you guys yeah. have yeah i mean if it was in Spanish, it would definitely be grande, but yeah. Um, well, whatever it's called, Plus. it it especially worked well at small sizes. Like you know the the mm-hmm. the hinting work that Apple did, and who you know the 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 people who made Lucid in the first place, intending it to be a great screen font. Um, it really really worked well at very small sizes. Like for like when you're setting like. A, uh, like a preferences dialogue and there's small text underneath a control that explains what that setting, you know, in detail, what that setting does. Uh, Lucida works so well at that. And whenever I'd, I see that now in Helvetica on Yosemite, sometimes it looks a little weird. Not that it looks bad, but it somehow looks, it, it strikes me as a little, it just feels funny, but I'm, yeah. I'm getting used to it. Nice. Let's, uh, let's talk about Yosemite. So sure. what, 
are as a UI designer, what what is your overall impression now that we're a couple, you know, we're, Yosemite has kind of settled in, you know, what what are your impressions overall? Um, you know, I I really like it. It's um everything feels very light and it's sort of for me it feels like it's going along with like the um, you know, ever increasing thinness of the actual hardware and it just sort of like helps everything feel. I mean, they, I I like that they preserve the the depth uh, uh with the uh, the drop shadows on all of the windows themselves, but then having the um, the sort of translucency, um, vibrancy stuff everywhere. It sort of, at first, it felt like overkill to me, but as I've sort of adjusted to it, um, I like it. It feels like, yeah, everything is is like these um, nice little panes of glass hovering over each other, and um, you know, I think it feels good. I really, what I really like um, a lot though is all of the really small, like subtle animations that they've added everywhere that. They're not big and flashy and they're not, they don't, they're not slow. They don't really, they're really subtle again. So like, it's like, you wouldn't really um, notice it too much, but things like checking a checkbox just animates in a, in a nice friendly little way. Um, you know, just even, even things like, like choosing something from a context menu is um, just slightly different. It's just, it's just a little bit more alive, a little like springier, if that makes sense. Um, and so I feel like with Yosemite, they've, they've made, They've made it so it, you're a little bit more connected to the UI, if that makes sense. After, uh, yeah, after like years of touchscreens um, and feeling really connected to that, I, I was feeling like with with Mavericks even just feeling a little set back from the Mac, especially because you use, you use a, a mouse or a trackpad. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like I feel like Yosemite is more. I feel more connected to it. I like it. Yeah, I feel like that's a, that's a good point with the animation. And I feel like it's interesting because clearly the, the iPhone and iOS were where Apple really got into that sort of make things, the, the things you interact with on the device feel alive and feel like real mm -hmm. things. But they didn't do an iOS-inspired Mac UI until now. Like they skipped that mm -hmm. whole iOS one to six era in terms of like bringing those ideas to the Mac, and they waited right. until after iOS seven. And I well, there was some. I mean, you know, like the textural stuff was definitely bleeding over into the Mac, right? Yeah, but not what you see. But you know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. You mean like with like the trackpad and like with the gestures you can do on the mouse? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Right. And that, well, but also like there were and there were more like textures and things in actual in apps. Like it was starting to take on. Oh, you know, texture. Like I see. I thought you said gestural. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh gestural too, though. I yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, and I actually have really enjoyed that. I'm really glad that that um, you know Magic Mouse and the trackpad allow so many gestures now. A little bit, but I don't know. I don't know that the textures I, – I think the Mac was going in that way anyway, you know, that that with okay. Mac OS X. Sure. I feel like what, mm -hmm. what what Yosemite adds that's new is like what you said where where there's subtle animations, you know, like um, like when you click a pop-up menu and it just grows – the menu grows out of the, the pop-up button. I, I mm -hmm. it's such a nice little touch. I, I've a couple people have is, yeah. complained to me about that one, but I really, I, that's one of the things about Yosemite that I enjoy. I really like that animation where the menu, it grows. I don't know how else to say it. It just mm -hmm. grows out of the button. It grows. And then, yeah, when you make your um, selection, there's just a little bit more feedback. It's just like this slight little, like, um, like flash, like it's like, Doo -doo, yes, you know, I've, I've seen your input and I've responded to it, you know, that sort of thing. It just feels more, 
um yes yeah, like like it's slightly more alive now yeah that's cool. it's so funny that you made that noise because it doesn't make noise but that is what it feels like no <laughs> doo doo yeah, yeah like it, there yeah. <laughs> is that sort of feeling to it do you feel though um as a designer that it is uh, that you have like to redo everything or do you feel that it's not that much work to to get like rogue amoeba's apps looking perfect on yosemite is it a restart um, i feel like yeah well i mean there's definitely going to be a lot of i mean if we did nothing else it would just have to be a lot of like reskinning everything um and i don't i don't think we're going to go um like we're not going to dive into the translucency um stuff too much at least not with um with the next you know few iterations of our apps um we're sort of i don't know we're, we're going to sort of be in the middle there and sort of make things look at home on Yosemite. Um, hopefully <laughs> that's the goal anyway, make things look at home on Yosemite, but still look like, um, our stuff, if that makes sense. And, um, yeah, so not whole hog into it. I feel, you know? I feel, um, yeah, I do. I feel, cause I feel like somehow like going from iOS six to iOS seven for most apps mm -hmm. was like, you really had to redo the whole thing to make it feel. Oh yeah, definitely. Whereas I yeah. feel like going from pre Yosemite Mac app mm -hmm. to Yosemite, it's really, it, it to me, oh, it's more subtle. Yeah. It's yeah. a lot more subtle. Like I you, think it's a lot less. Yeah. It's a lot more subtle. It's a lot less work. It, it just depends on your app though. Um, like something like fission, I feel like would, um, would benefit from just a little bit of reskinning, but then something like piezo, which, Oh, I still love my little, um, recording app it's it's very um you know it's all skeuomorphic and and cutesy and and whimsical so um uh, so it just depends on the app and and how much um like how far in either direction it already was to begin with i guess um and some things will take more work and other things less work but um yeah, yeah i don't know i yeah, like I feel like piezo is a good example though because piezo you know and i know that this word gets overused, but it's skeuomorphic. And I, Paul just, I think it was Paul who just blogged about it. I saw the post, but it was a, like celebrating um, like an anniversary or something, but it was, you know, mentioning, yes, men yeah. mentioning the old brawn physical radio that sort of inspired mm -hmm. the look of it. Um, right. And which is a beautiful device, super beautiful device. Mm -hmm. I kind of feel like. Which they gave me. So Sorry, the anniversary was uh, my five-year anniversary, and they gave me the brown uh, radio that inspired Piezo, which was an incredible gift. Anyway, I'm just throwing that in there about how awesome. Uh, you know what? Are. He's you know what? He's know. not awesome. He's kind Good of guy. yeah. He's kind of a dick. Because he well, yeah, he's so know, awesome. But he's also the, he's also a good guy. No, the <laughs> the problem is he comes up with clever ideas like that. And then it makes right. you know it makes the rest of us look bad who don't have clever gift ideas. It's like true. That. Like my my idea of a good gift would be like a like a gift card for the iTunes store. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> be sure. like, here, go buy you know, go buy the new levels for Monument Valley. And <laughs> whereas Paul Cafasis comes up with a brilliant idea like the actual 1968 radio that inspired Piezo, and then ships it to you. Yeah. Which is yeah. terrible because it's so it's so wonderful that it's terrible. Because it makes yeah, like who can tap that, right? Yeah, and then he's like, "Oh yeah, I was just donating platelets this week." Oh, look at me and Paul Cafasis, and just the nicest guy ever. 
Um, <laughs> no, he's a great guy, but it's too much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. He's giving you a wonderful gift while his other arm, like from one hand on his phone, while the other arm is is donating platelets. Terrible. Right. Exactly. But I yeah. don't you. Th- I do feel though that like an app like Piezo gets gets away with the the skeuomorphic gimmickry still on Yosemite in a way that like on the iPhone with iOS 7, that sort of thing looks dated. I don't know. There's something. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, I, f- I still feel like, yeah, I feel like, um, because, and I think it's just that like the, the Mac is such a, uh, it's just a much more um, broad platform. It's just, there's a lot more variation, I think, between apps and, um, yeah. And, and so it can still, like I've, I've been using it, um, this whole time and it's still, um, cutesy for me. I'm still sort of like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have gone so skeuomorphic with it. But that's me with every single thing I design. Like, you know, if it's over three months old, I'm like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. But um, yeah, I, I feel like it, it can still be at home um, on Yosemite. Whereas, yeah, anything that's that's super um, textured and detailed like that on iOS, it just, yeah, it just looks like iOS 6 and it looks... Um, really out of place. Yeah, it's it, it's funny because there's so many more iOS users than Mac users. You know, by, I don't know, maybe mm-hmm. by a factor of ten, at least. But it seems it just seems curious to me that it, iOS is where Apple seems to be more radical with their UI design, where the pre iOS seven. UI aesthetic for iOS was way more skeuomorphic and more textured and had more like, <laughs> oh, this is this looks like a pane of glass with a glossy, you know, effect on it. Uh, and it's bubbly mm-hmm. and it's textured and the texture is really, really rich, uh, way more over the top than the Mac ever got. And then when they went the other way, they went w- way more radically in the direction of okay, no textures, no 3D effects. This is, I know, again, it's overused word, but this is flat. Uh, you know, the buttons don't even have outlines. They're just text. Uh, right. It, it, oh, man. It, <laughs> it's just, that is not even a button. Yeah, and the Mac, it, it both <laughs> ways, it never, it, it's way more conservative to me. It never went that textured yeah. before. And now with Yosemite, where they've sort of updated it for a modern look, it's it's nowhere near as radical as iOS seven, and I think it's it's right. more yeah. more pleasing overall. Oh, definitely, and I think if they really benefited from having you know done iOS seven, um, you know before Yosemite, and so they sort of, I mean, this is my I'm just uh, it's all conjecture, but I'm just guessing, you know, that they they had all of that experience and were like, okay, well let's um, it's like the pendulum sort of swung too far in that direction. They're like that, let's get let's strip everything down to um, really really minimalist design, and it's like, okay, well maybe that was a little too far. And then Yosemite feels like just just nudging it back um, just far enough so that it's comfortable. And yeah, and buttons look like buttons, and there are slight gradients here and there. Um, yeah, it's it's nice. And I think, I think it works. I think it works in in some ways better. And I think that's why it feels more accommodating to a broader range of styles. Sure. That it's still, you know, like I said, like it still feels like a system where piezo, as it is, you know, without any kind of you know new Yosemite update, still looks. It still looks right. It still looks like that's you know acceptable. Right. Yeah. I hope so. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was interesting. I that's sort of, you know, 
uh, I think I've touched on this before, but like before they unveiled Yosemite and everybody kind of knew, oh, of course they're going to do some sort of iOS 7 style update for the Mac. Mm -hmm. I really sure. was braced for it to be a lot more radical. I really thought that mm -hmm. they were going to flatten everything more, you know, like, and like you even said, like where, where they still have the shadow effects between windows to show you what's in front of, I thought maybe they'd get rid of stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Me too. And, yeah, and they didn't. And it even really surprises me that they still have so many settings and system preferences that let you, the user, you know, change things. Like I kind of, mm -hmm. I would have bet a year ago that the the iOS 7 style update to macOS would have gotten rid of like uh, the ability to change the appearance color you know like blue and graphite oh right yeah between blue and graphite yeah um right and you can go it, it's it, it's interesting that they um provided the dark theme too it's sort of that came out of nowhere because it's it just seems very um counter to what apple's done for the last um few years just just not allowing much appearance um you know specialization or customization so having like a secondary like dark theme um and then of course yeah I mean, we were talking before um about the um, the reduced transparency and increased contrast. Um, oh. hack. Well, I don't know. It's not really a hack. The accessibility um, preferences that you can do to, to change the whole look as, as like as a thing that now people are doing to sort of customize the look um, themselves, which is which is fun. And then, you know, I did that for a while. It was, it was fun. Yeah. So what it is is in system preferences. If you haven't done this in a, in system preferences, go not. It's not in the general pane where you set most of the UI stuff. It's in accessibility. Right. It's in accessibility. And you you can check reduce transparency and then you can also check increase contrast. And increase increase okay, increase contrast is the really interesting one to me. Yes. <laughs> me too. Yeah, and oh actually if you if you select increase contrast it will automatically select yes. reduce transparency. Yes. yes. Um Oh, it's so fun. <laughs> and it's it's kind of wild, like, and you and I, before the show, we were uh, emailing or chatting or whatever, whatever the kids do. Uh, <laughs> but, but we both said the same thing, like at the same time, which is that it looks sort of like, like some kind of alternate universe, where the original like 1990s Mac OS, like evolved through to today's display technology. You know that right, with, just completely literally, like yeah, like blue never happened. Like there was nothing ever like big and puffy or whimsical anywhere. It just sort of like stayed with the, um, you know, dark outlines around buttons and and things just sort of got more streamlined and sleek, sort of. And then like the yeah, it, the um, system font changed from uh, Chicago to Helvetica. It's just yeah, it's so interesting to 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 use though, and it's it's actually really pleasant. I really enjoyed. Enjoyed having that preferences on there. I I used it for a while, maybe even close to a week, and then I changed, turned it off. And now now that we're talking, I did it again, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, I'm gonna leave. Yeah, the, I'm gonna leave this on. <laughs> I really like it. Yeah, and if you set your desktop background to like a a dark gray, then you're just yeah, it just feels uh, like an old Mac. It's really fun. It's a really neat effect, um, and and cool. you sent yeah, me the screenshot. Is. Everybody does. I I get it on Twitter like every three days from somebody where they're like, "What the, what the what the hell's going on with this?" Is when you do things like what are the ways that you can bring it up? Like if you change the volume, yeah, yeah. If you if you mute your your volume, then like there's a 
um, that icon is sort of, I guess it has um, blank pixels and, and it just gives a black background where there should just be blank pixels. And it's like, oh man, what happened there? Yeah. But, um, it's like when you, there's just like, there's like goofy little things like that. There's a few like um, buttons in like, Sometimes finder buttons are in like save dialogues. Like the the buttons will be like askew when they're when you're in this mode, and I'm not sure why that happens. But you know, it's just there's a few little quirky things that that happen. Yeah, there's like a, just a couple of weird glitches. It, I mean, they're technically bugs, yeah. but it, it glitch yeah. glitch feels like a better word. But like, <laughs> yeah, sure. it's like when you change the volume, it's like the the little. Uh, I don't even know what you would call it. Is it a like a the little transparent heads up display that that shows you what the volume level is at as you're hitting the buttons on your your keyboard has round rounded corners and it's like when you turn this mode on they get completely squared off into perfect squares but the difference between the round rect corners and the truly perfect squares is just filled in with black and it looks really yeah. it's really kind of exactly. gross. Exactly. It's just goofy. Yeah. yeah. It's gross. It's gross. Let's face it. It is. It looks broken. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like your Mac is looking at you and it has something in its teeth and you're, you want to like say to your Mac, like <laughs> you want to just look at it and be like, you got, hey, you got, yeah. you got, you got something in your <laughs> teeth right there. Uh -huh. Yeah. Just out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it upsets the perfectionist in me, but overall though, I, I kind of think it's a better look than the default Yosemite look, which I, which in turn I do kind of like. But I feel like this is even better. Yeah, it's um, it's really clean and and everything is like super obvious, um, which I like, and 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 things just really stand out well. And, and the yeah, I like the the higher contrast. It's nice. It looks good. Oh man, so I mean, it's just one random little thing unrelated to most everything else. But what, the only, like the thing that bugs me the most, and it's such a, it's such a stupid little thing is like the, the forward and back buttons in Safari and finder, just those navigational buttons. They used to be a segmented button. Mm -hmm. um, do you know what I mean? Like the, yeah. um, it's like a, it, it used to be, yeah, they used to be triangles. Now they're like back and left and right carrots. But anyway, um, they, they're like very close together and they're rounded rectangles and they just, they, they don't quite touch. And, oh, that bugs me so much. Yeah. yeah and they kind of, um, <laughs> but no, I know exactly what you mean is that they also sort of in, in the middle where they meet, there's, there's like a little, like a butt crack. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like they're not, they're not. Yeah. And if they were, and if they were touching, they'd still have their rounded rectangle edges like just meeting up in a in a weird way and it's like why isn't that a segmented button anymore like what happened right it used to just why? be anyway or or just like put them slightly farther apart or just make it a segmented button i don't know exactly but it's like they've they've tried to split the difference in a weird way where it doesn't look like yeah again and again that i think that's the actual like that's actually what you call it in xcode is a segmented button and but that's what it used to yeah. look like it just looked like a button with segments mm -hmm. to divide it whereas now it looks right. like two buttons that were inappropriately placed right next to each other yes exactly oh irks me so much anyway <laughs> I, most other things are forgivable and yeah no i totally yeah. agree with that i don't i don't like that there's like a yeah like a plumber's uh butt crack that you see at the top and bottom <laughs> of the thing i don't I, it bothers me yes um let me thank our second sponsor. I'll take a break and then we'll, uh, I want to ask Great. you about, remind me, because I always forget after I do these sponsor reads. I want to talk to you about icons. Um, okay. But okay. our next sponsor is our good friends at lynda.com. L-Y 
NDA.com, Lynda.com. Now, what do they do? They provide uh, learn at your own pace video uh, courses, tutorials, online learning uh, through video. Easy to follow, super high production, uh, high quality video with great production quality taught by real experts in the field, professional teachers, people who really know how to teach. Uh, everything from photography to programming to design, just about anything that you might want to learn, Linda has courses for. Uh, beginner to advanced uh, and learning on the go because they have mobile apps for iPhone, iPad, and Android. Uh, what do you have to do when you sign up? Well, you pay $25 a month, and that gives you unlimited access to over 100,000 video tutorials in the lynda.com library. Uh, they have a premium plan, and if you pay annually, then you can download courses to your iPhone, iPad, or Android instead of streaming, and then you can watch them offline. Great for packing to go on a plane or a trip or something like that. Uh, and you can also, if you're a premium plan member, you can download project files and practice along with the instructor while you watch the courses. Uh, some of their popular courses are HTML, uh, Essential Training, PHP with MySQL, Essential Training, uh, iOS 7, uh, and iPad courses, iPad tips and tricks, uh, and right up from getting to know how to use your iPad uh, to creating iPad apps and iPad web apps. Uh, just about anything you might want to do. Ever wanted to learn how to create apps? You ever thought maybe you want to become a, a, an iOS developer? Lynda.com is a fantastic way to get started. Um, here's a fun fact. This is new. This is new. Um, I didn't know this before. 30% of colleges and universities and most of the Ivy League schools offer Lynda.com subscriptions uh, to their students and faculty members. Uh, so what do you do to find out more? Easy. You go to Lynda.com, L-Y-N-D-A.com slash The Talk Show. And I've got to deal with them for listeners of the show. Go there and use that uh, that that URL, lynda.com slash the talk show. And you can get complete access to everything for seven days free of charge just to try it out. Uh, so if, if there's any kind of skepticism on your part about, ooh, I don't know if this is worth 25 bucks a month, uh, go there. Use that URL, the slash the talk show. And for seven days, you can watch as much stuff at lynda.com as you want. And that's how confident they are that once you see their stuff, that you'll sign up. Uh, so my thanks to lynda.com for sponsoring the show. Um, all right, icons. Let's talk about icons. Icons, sure. So that's one of the areas, like I mentioned before, where I sort of expected Yosemite to go in an iOS-style iOS way, where I kind of was thinking that they're going to mm -hmm. say, okay, now all icons have to be circles or something like that. Oh, I know. That would be awful. <laughs> yeah. No, um, I'm so glad they didn't. And I mean, there there are plenty of circles all around UI, but I'm so happy that um, they're still using objects, um, you know, in a, in a lot of places. I mean, they, they do still, they, they are using a lot of circles um, and a lot of 
uh, like the tilted rectangle, basically. Um, but I'm liking, I like that they stuck with a lot of, um, you know, objects or representational, more representational things and just made them in sort of a, a pared down, simplified style so that they sort of look like Yosemite, but they're still sort of fun shapes and they're not all, they're not all one shape. That's, that makes me happy. Yeah. I, I, it makes me when, when it, when they showed it to us and, you know, one of the things I noticed was, you know, even in the like default Apple dock, when you have a fresh install of Yosemite, there's a variety of icon styles. So you can see right away that there's mm-hmm. no just one style. And I, you know, right at right in the keynote, yeah. I thought, oh, that's great. I was totally wrong about that. And then I started like question myself. I was like, well, why did I think they were going to do that? Like, I, I kind of thought, you know, why, why did I expect that? Like, because it makes me think like, oh, of course they wouldn't do that because it wouldn't work on the Mac. But it somehow I was dreading it and expected them to do that. <laughs> well, um, yeah, and there are. I mean, I don't. I don't think that's sort of far fetched because, um, yeah, in some ways I could see that making sense. But I'm so glad that that that's not the way things went because having a dock full of circles would be really annoying. You'd have to use. Um, you know, you'd have to really use color and have a very clear, very simple icon, you know, like iconic shape inside of your circle to identify your app. And yeah, I think it would just be really sort of bland and, and kind of annoying to sort of figure out what is what just at a glance. So I'm happy they, they kept their, they kept the idea of, of different um, shapes and using a lot of physical objects, but just, um, yeah, just sort of reskin them. And there's a, a lot more texture and depth to them, even again, even just the ones from Apple, let alone, you know, third parties who can do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. But even the Apple ones have more texture and depth sure. than the icons on iOS. Oh, by far. Yeah. Yeah. So much. It's yeah, it's great. But it's still um, yeah, at the same time, it's still look, it's definitely pared down and less, you know, blingy than um, than previous uh, Mac icons. Like I was I was actually um, so I was just home in Florida visiting my mom and she's still running Mavericks. And um yeah, I was really just sort of like, oh yeah, wow, look at all these these icons. Like everything is sh- so shiny. <laughs> like um, just the you know giving the icons um, a, just subtle makeover so that everything is more matte um, and less glossy, and and just tweaking the colors and the lighting and and um, and shapes and, and sort of flattening things out, um, reducing perspective on the on the rectangles that are tilted, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I think it's it's helped. It's a good it's a good compromise. It's a good middle ground, I think. I still have a, one of my machines. The it's actually a machine I use to record podcasts. It's still running Mavericks, so I still see it. It's a MacBook Air. Um, okay. And mm-hmm. it it like increasingly as like week by week, it just looks like older and older and older. It looks it looks silly at this point. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. It, in particular. Great. To me, it, the icons really, really stand out. Like, uh, like the Finder icon. It's like, why? Yeah. I, I don't know. And, why is there big glass? Right. Why, yeah. why did they make it look like it's made out of glass? <laughs> I don't get it. Like, there still is a yeah. lighting effect. Yeah. Like on the new one in Yosemite, there's a very nice lighting effect. Mm-hmm. It looks like there's light coming down from the top. Yeah. Um, it has texture. Mm-hmm. It has depth. But the one I'm, I'm looking at them side by side right now. It's like the. The Mavericks one has this glass effect that just looks so like I can't say it better than blingy. Blingy is the exact right word. Yeah. And it's like, why? Why did we do that? It's like looking back at like yeah. high school pictures and it's like, why did I have a mullet? 
Right? <laughs> Why did we think that looked good? Right. Oh, yeah. uh, the other one that really stands oh, out yeah. to me is the App Store icon. And like, I think iTunes used the same style, mm -hmm. but it's like iTunes was updated. Now that it's like iTunes has the Yosemite icon even on the old system. But like the App Store icon is this circle, you know, with just an incredible amount of like gloss and glass sort of lighting oh, to it. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's, it has like rays and yeah, it has like this, yeah. Um, yeah, at least the old one had like was all of this light and sort of and depth to it, um, and the new one is just like you know subtle gradient, um, the the iconic you know App Store or, or just generic application icon, and yeah, big change. <laughs> do you when you guys are working on apps, do you do you get to work on the app icon right away, or do you wait and is the you know is that something that you do later in the process? Um, it just depends on the app. Um, like we're already working on a, a new app I'm not allowed to talk about, and I've already made the icon for it. And we've, you know, pretty much decided like, yes, this is the final version of the icon. Um, I think it just depends on where where developers are. It's sort of like we go through wireframes and we get things, you know, pretty much where we think um, they should be. And then um, there's a lot more backend work. And then it's sort of like, okay, well, here's a thing that I can do in the meantime. I mean, we have we have a lot of apps, and I'm the only designer, so I'm sort of always rotating around on what I'm working on. But um, yeah, it just depends on on the app at which point um, we do the icon. <laughs> there's not there's not a hard and fast like time that we that we do. Right, it. you can always change it later. But I find with most designers who I know, they right. they they can't stand working on an app until they have something that could plausibly be the app icon. You know, like oh right, oh yeah, it bugs me so much when there's just like uh, some placeholder art. Um, from the developer, right. like, oh, let me at least make, yeah, we're at, you know, I'll at least make, you know, something like here, this, this might, this might be a, an right. Idea. Like in other words, the best way to get some sort of plausible app icon idea out of you would be to make a, have engineering, create a build where, where the icon is just like a, you know, some clip art from the internet. Because it'll, because it, right. then as soon yeah. as you see oh, it, you'll man, be like, I need to immediately drop everything and make something so that the next build. Yes. Oh man, but I'm so not allowed to do that. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I yeah, I have to get um, because <laughs> that is exactly what I would do. And then so um, yeah, I have to sort of be reined in on that. I was like, no, you can't work on the icon right now. You have like three other things you need to do. Um, Oh, it's so hard, though. We, need, no, we really need this sign-up dialogue done because we can't use the app until we have a sign-up dialogue. You're like, no, mm -hmm. no, I have got to uh, – Yeah. I have to fix this icon. Right. Yeah, we have – yeah, there's a lot of uh, prioritizing. Like, we, we often have different um, priorities as far as that goes. Like, oh, if I don't want to work on the boring um, network win preferences window, you know, I, I want to make the icon. But that's, you know – that's how it goes. I don't know. I, 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 icons to me, it's it's funny because I, I've always said this. I think people argue about icons more than any other thing in software design. I don't even say user interface design. All yeah. of software design. Because it's the one, it's the <laughs> one thing that even if you're not a designer, it's just a single point of entry. And it represents the whole app. So it is important. Yeah. And... Mm -hmm. Oh, it's hugely important. Yeah, it's how you identify the app. It's how when you're just, you know, switching back and forth um, between apps, it's like how you quickly at a glance see what that app is, reminds users. Yeah, I don't know. I have, I, have, I could launch into so that. So it, it's definitely important. Yeah, extremely but important. But it's not, 
truly as important as the amount of argument that happens over changes to icons. Like people are still sure. people are still <laughs> bitching about the new icons in Yosemite. You know, because you can't please mm-hmm. everybody all the time. Oh, sure. So not. I think the icons overall, I think they look much better. But like for example, here's Oh yeah, I I like most of well, them. Well, here's one that I don't like. I don't like the system preferences icon. Yeah, it's sort of um it's kind of bland. Yeah, and it's it's got yeah. like too strong of a lighting effect and too realistic of a gear. Mm-hmm. It's like super photo re- It doesn't fit with the it doesn't fit with the others. Yeah, yeah. It, it it somehow I don't know. It looks to me Yeah, well it looks well the gradient, especially like the gradient that's on the the gear, it just looks very like um it's kind of an uncanny valley, like between the subtle gradients on everything else and then like trying to go more photorealistic because it's not photorealistic enough to be like the old blingy style, um, but it's more photorealistic than the other gradients used elsewhere on other app icons. And so, yeah, it's just kind of weird. And then just like having it being just like the, the gear being in a circle in a box, like that gray outer box is very bland and very boring to yeah. me. Um, yeah, it don't. Yeah, and I the only the other thing I dislike is is the Safari icon still. I like it better than the one on iOS, but I don't know. Mm, see, nah. I've I've that, you know <laughs> that's interesting because I like the new Safari icon. Do you? Yeah, I do. I I don't know okay. why, but I do. <laughs> I, well, I, no, that's I, fine. That's fine. But I also wish <laughs> that it was on iOS. I wish that they would. Yeah. I it, the I guess it sort of is reminiscent of the one on iOS, but the thing I don't like about it the is. iOS one is that the iOS one is is a circle mm-hmm. and they've just put the circle in the uh, in a white square rectangle right I always call them squares yeah. and it whiskus always corrects yeah. me that they're they're technically what's it they're super, super ellipses ellipse yeah super yeah, ellipses super ellipses <laughs> yes um sorry that they, I, I, it I was call like them squares too. they wanted to be so I don't know why not just make the compass be the super ellipse you know, yeah. make the whole thing Why blue not? and put right. the, the, the compass dial on that. Why put the circle in the square? It just seems exactly. Yeah. Seems forced to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and well, and to like the, the lighting effects and the coloring and the gradient on the, on the one on um, the Mac is, is nicer. Um, might be, there's just more detail there. It's sharper, cleaner, but, but yeah, it's weird. Um, Cause right. Wasn't the old, didn't the old Safari icon on iOS, didn't it fill the entire uh, rounded rectangle? At that point, it was a rounded rectangle. I think so. I could be wrong. Yeah, I, I think that it did. Don't make me. And and then yeah, and then they they did yeah the the circle inside the square because that outer white square that this compass is sitting in it doesn't really do anything or make any sense. Um, it just forces the the entire icon to be sort of smaller. So. I don't know. Yeah, I'm looking at. Uh an old screenshot from iOS 6 and yes the old safari icon the whole the blue filled filled the whole square right yeah that's what i thought okay yeah i feel like all they needed to do is just redraw do it the same way and just redraw it without yeah, the yeah just redraw it and just yeah make it yeah exactly just make it matte make it a look at home on iOS 7 and 8 and that's all they needed to do but but here we are <laughs> it just seems to me though that People people bitch about icons, and and as sure. we sit here and bitch about icons, and I complain yeah, exactly. about people who bitch about icons, but like <laughs> I feel like people bitch about them disproportionately to to how much they actually have to deal with them because it's so easily encapsulated. 
you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's like as a designer, um, it's the same thing when you ever you pick a color and it's like you'll mm-hmm. get into arguments with, you know, whether it's like a client relationship or whether it's like, you know, like with you, like where you're full time at a place. But it's like you can get in an argument over a color that will last for hours because it's mm-hmm. so easily in comp, you know, there's there's no subtlety to it. You can just say, I don't like that color. And then all of a sudden, right. exactly, you know, you're you're two people are jointly using the color picker to pick a new color and it just goes on and on and on. <laughs> oh, and yeah. icons oh, are like definitely. That. Yes, yes. And, and everyone has a very strong opinion about them. Like there's no one, yeah, there's no one who doesn't want to weigh in. Whereas, you know, with um, if you're designing like a, a sidebar or something like that, people are, you know, less interested, I guess. But everyone wants to give their input when it's um, the icon. And, you know, I mean, it makes sense because it is... Um, you know, the gateway to the app and the thing that represents the app as a whole. So it is, you know, it's a really important thing and it tends to be more fun and more interesting, I think. So people uh, just jump on that. Yeah. It's like with us, like you're designing a sidebar and you need like a gear button to, to get to, you know, settings for the sidebar. And it's like, is it lower right? Is it lower left? And, and if you put it in the lower right of the sidebar and somebody thinks it should be lower left, they'll just say like gently, like, I don't know, maybe this, I don't know if that's right. It feels like maybe it'd be more natural, more natural if it was in the lower left. And they'll say it like, you know, like an open-ended question like that. Whereas if they don't like the icon, they'll be like, this icon is terrible. Oh, it is it makes the worst. My eyes yeah, exactly. Yes. Right? Yeah. Oh like my god. You, yeah, you nailed it. You, totally. You you don't get like the subtle sort of you know maybe kind of do something different feedback with icons that you get with other things like should it be lower left, lower right? Should we draw a box around these controls because they're grouped together? You know things like that. Everybody you know sort of does that in a more I don't know it's uh, the feedback's always a little bit more humane with stuff like that. Yeah, it's true. Definitely. People get very opinionated and very passionate about their icons. <laughs> oh, one thing about icons um that I mean and this isn't I mean it's not about icon design but um just one subtle little thing about Yosemite that I'm kind of sad about is when you drag an icon out of the dock, it doesn't do the little poof animation anymore, but you still have the poof sound. It goes poof, but instead it just says remove. There's like a little um, pop-up that hovers over it that says remove, and then you drag it away and it does the little poof sound, but you don't get that little like puff of smoke animation, you know? Oh, yeah. I miss that. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that, you know what? It's, I don't think that I'm doing it right now. I don't think I've removed anything from my dog with Yosemite <laughs> until just now. I just noticed this weird remove thing. Yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. it's a it's a little. I mean, maybe it's more obvious. Um, but come on. I mean the the smoke was it was whimsical. They could have made it. I mean, they could have changed it like so it matched Yosemite or something. I don't know. I like I do like like in um, Launchpad they kept the little um, they kept a bit of whimsy there by having like the little. The little sparklies around a new app that you haven't launched yet, yes. like in launch. Yeah. yeah, it's so cute. It's like, oh, I like, I like little, like, you know, it would be overkill if it was like on, you know, in everything. But just little hints of it here and there. It's it's nice to keep things like that. But it's yeah, but yeah. it's just funny that you still get the little poof, but you don't have the animation anymore. But you get the sound. Yeah, and it's a good contrast to the sparklies in uh, uh, Launch Center. I, I sort right. of feel like with Launch Center, like somebody made that animation 
like like because mm-hmm. I don't think it's new. I think it's ex- I think it's the same sparkly animation that was there before Yosemite. I don't think th- yeah, maybe they've be. tweaked it, but it mm-hmm. it looks very similar to me. I can't help but think that there was somebody who made it and they loved it. And then, you know, they're like, we're going to do this, you know, we're going to redesign the whole OS, you know, for 10.10 and we're going to flatten everything. We're going to get rid of all the stuff. And that they, they like secretly were like, oh, God, please don't come for the sparkly. Please don't come. Yeah. For the, you know, you leave my and then like alone. Nobody, yeah. nobody ever like filed a radar that was like, get rid of this you know, <laughs> weird sparkly thing. And they are like, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> that their beloved sparkly thing because it it does I, I i like that it's there but it does kind of stick out i think on your yeah side. yeah it doesn't it doesn't really fit but it's I, I still just like it and and i think it works because it's sort of like a one-off like it's just a random rare thing like it's not you know there aren't things like that all over the the os so it's fine it it just happens in that one place and it's fine it's just a little well, little touch of fun the- the obvious thing to do would be to to copy the iOS style and put just put a blue dot next to the app name if it's updated. Yeah, that's so that's so boring. <laughs> it is, and it's it's just one of those funny things though, where like uh, like overall, like I said, you know, a little earlier, that overall the Mac is more to me more conservative UI wise than iOS, but like mm-hmm. the Sparklies yeah. in uh, Launch Center is you know way blingy super yeah. blingy like way more blingy yeah. even than ios oh for sure yeah <laughs> but it just in that one space and the rest of it doesn't look i mean the rest of it you know fits in fine like the icon fits in fine um you get this you know nice you know frosted glass effect over your over your background and search bar up at the top so i mean that's everything else looks like it it, it just fits right in um but then you get the little sparklies have yeah. you have you I this is and this is one of those things too that I wondered about and I, maybe it'll never happen but I speaking of uh, launch center uh I sort of expected that when Apple eventually did the okay let's do a major redesign of OS 10 that I expected that the finder would be replaced with launch center as the sort of oh interesting like starting point of the OS. Like when you first uh-huh. log in with nothing launched, oh, I thought that they yeah. would switch to Launch Center, which is, you know, it's it's pretty much the Mac version of the iOS home screen. Right, it's, exactly. That, and you know, that had never occurred to me that they would that they might do that. But it makes sense now that you that you mention it. That would be a good um sort of analogy to to the iOS home screen to be to start there. Well, and I think I wonder, and I, it's one of those things where I would love to, I would love to just find out like the inside scoop as to whether they thought about it or not. But you know, they never talk about it. But right. I wonder how much, how wonder how much of it is that, you know, maybe they would like to, and if the Mac was a brand new thing, that's exactly what they would do. But they can't do sure. it because so many people save all their crap to the desktop, and the desktop oh, has to be yeah. there. Because there's so many loaded with all the files and random stuff, right? Because you know, for everybody who who is technically adept enough to know that the desktop is really just a folder in your home folder, you know, there's other people who, if they logged in and they saw nothing but apps, they would think, "Oh my god, all my files on my desktop are gone." (laughs) Oh right, yeah. Oh yeah, people would freak out. I'm sure. I don't know. I can't help but think that that might be the only thing that's keeping them from doing it. I don't know. 
Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, if any if anything switches more towards that or, or sort of moves in that direction or if they somehow split the difference in the future. Do you save files to your desktop? Is your desktop um, clean or is it or is it messy? My desktop right now has let's see seven things on it and it's temporary things i tend not to leave them there for too long it's sort of something like oh i need to follow up on this thing and i'm going to leave it on my desktop um but yeah i sort of go through and, and clean things up um now and again and i don't think yeah nothing here is is terribly old but um yeah so it's not it's not perfectly clean um but it's not littered with with things either and it's all all things of sort of a temporary nature that i don't like things like if they were all deleted right now, like it wouldn't be a big deal at all. Yeah, I was about to say that I keep a very neat desktop, and then I looked and I, I had to open a window to get the count. I have twenty five items on my desktop, so it's not neat at all. It's a mess. <laughs> <laughs> but I do the same thing though, where it's I think everything is pretty recent. I'm mm -hmm. looking at the dates. All right, I'm sorting by date, and the oldest thing is from October fifteenth. So it's everything is from the last month. And I do. Nice. And then like, okay. I'll, I'll get in like, it's like my physical office, my real world, this, the room that I'm in as I record this right now is a mess. It's like Andy Rooney's office. It's <laughs> chock full of papers and books and boxes and stuff. But I do, I keep a neat computer and I, I once a month or so, I just like get everything off my desktop. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Me too. I just sort of go through and, and clean up and yeah, it bugs me after a while having too much stuff there. Yeah, it's like I feel like if my office is a mess, at least my computer can be neat. And it seems so <laughs> nice. much it seems so much easier to clean up your desktop than it is to clean like a room. So I do sure. it. <laughs> um, but it always blows me away when there's when I see people who have like l seriously like 100 200 things on their desktop. Like everything yeah, that they've ever like done is on their you... desktop. Right. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> How do you organize it bothers things? Me. Yeah. Yeah it, yeah. it triggers like my OCD. <laughs> I noticed though, I did notice that, uh, so Jonas is 10 and he's starting to use a, a Mac way more than he used to. He used to really just use like iOS mm -hmm. devices because he has like sure. homework and stuff like that. Um, mm -hmm. And without me ever, like I never really like, never really sat down and showed him like here's how to use a mac it was just let him figure it out on his own he sure. just naturally um saves files to his desktop all of his files are oh. on his desktop interesting like notes and stuff like that like plans for uh -huh. minecraft and things like that <laughs> nice nice so i thought that was pretty interesting because i kind of wondered whether that was like an old school mac habit like from the old days that people have carried over or you know did like would somebody like him who's you know relative you know really only started using a mac in the last year or two would they um would they naturally do that and he does he just saves stuff to his just naturally just saves files to his desktop I don't know why that is, though. Yeah, it's kind of surprising. It... Yeah, yeah. Instead of, I mean, because I was, I'm just thinking, like, if you are looking at it for the first time and you get a save dialog for the first time, um, you know, there's a default um, directory in the sidebar called documents. So I would imagine that by default people would save things um, to their documents folder, but no, I guess not. Um, well, I, yeah, I don't wonder... know. I mean, I'm so habituated. I'm not sure. Like, it's it's hard to be objective I... about it. I wonder if it's because the desktop is like the one place where 
yeah, I know that you can, you know, you can change the view options for any window in the finder to, you know, list or column or icon view. Yeah. But it's the one sure. place that's always icon view and you can arrange things spatially and say, uh, I've got this mm -hmm. file and I want it over here on the left and it's going to be mm -hmm. on the left and you drag it over there and it stays there as opposed to being right. on the list. That's my, that's my right. hunch as to why <laughs> it does it, but I haven't, I haven't asked him. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, let me take an, uh, another break here and thank uh, our third sponsor of the show. It's our good friends at Igloo. Igloo is the internet that uh, doesn't suck. That's my slogan for them. <laughs> they call themselves the internet that you'll actually like. Um, intranets are typically ugly. They're badly designed. And the people on your team, your company, they typically wind up avoiding them and just email each other back and forth and send file attachments and they just use email for everything. Uh, Igloo is totally different. It's the internet you'll actually like and you get all sorts of cool features. They have uh, a Twitter-like microblog. So imagine like a version of Twitter that was just for your team, internal, totally private, just for your, your team. Um, uh, they have that. They have file sharing. You can put comments on everything. Uh, and the design of the intranet of your igloo uh, can match your brand. Uh, and it matches across all devices because all of their templates are responsive. So everything looks good on iPads. It looks good on your phone. It looks good on your Retina 5K Mac. Uh, easy to use, easy to set up, and it requires no technical expertise at all to set it up. Um, they have a sandwich video, uh, for those of you who don't know, that's, uh, Adam Lisa Gore's company, funny, funny video that shows exactly what's different about Igloo compared to everything else and other types of intranets, uh, go to their website and check it out and you can see this cool video. Um, and here's the best part. Igloo is free to use for up to 10 people, not for a month, just in perpetuity. So if your team is 10 or fewer people, you can sign up for Igloo and just use it and you'll never owe them a nickel. You just use it. If your team is bigger than 10 people, you can try it for free. No credit card. Uh, just sign up, try it, and have 10 people use it to test it and see if it, everything I say about it is true. And then once you decide to use it, you pay. It's really, really low price per user after 10 people. Um, I don't, I don't even know how that's possible, though, that if for up to 10 people, you know, just use it for free. So it, if you're curious at all, why not try it? Why not check it out? Because it's free. Just go sign up and try it. It's free. Really, really cool. Here's where you go. Go to www.igloosoftware.com slash the talk show. Igloosoftware.com slash the talk show. And uh, they'll know you came from here. So my thanks to Igloo. The other week, I uh, I uh, had Merlin Merlin Mann on the show, and uh, uh, this is what we call follow up. I guess we're supposed to do this at the beginning of a podcast, but I forgot. I have a note here. Uh, we were talking about Roman numerals and what a pain in the ass it is with the Super Bowl because it's like X X X X V I something something, and you never know what Super Bowl it is. And uh, I said that when they had Super Bowl Fifty which would be Super Bowl L, 
that they should have, that's when they should have dropped the Roman numeral shtick and just right. gone with numbers. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, turns, it turns out Super Bowl 50 hasn't happened yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's next year. Next year is Super Bowl 50. It's going to be in San Francisco. And they've already announced that that's exactly what they're going to do. They're going to drop the Roman numeral shtick, and it's just Super Bowl 5-0, Super Bowl 50. Nice. <laughs> Right on. So nice because I think that's so much better and not nice because, because I spent like five minutes on the podcast two weeks ago saying, complaining that that's <laughs> what they, they should have done a couple years ago when Super Bowl 50 happened, but it hasn't happened. <laughs> so let me get that out there All because right. I keep getting email from people saying, uh, dude, Super Bowl 50 is next year and they're doing exactly what you said. Uh, I can't take any credit for it though because they announced it well before the show. Oh, nice. Um, so the got that out there. All right, here's a question for you. Okay. Um, with the uh, WatchKit SDK that Apple released this week, Apple mm -hmm. included what they called uh, design resources, something like that. The thing that came with the font, but it also came with a bunch of PSD files, Photoshop files for mm -hmm. um, both software layouts and things like it's like a typographic grid that shows you all of the type sizes um, and, and it's not specified by like a number, like saying, oh, give me 16 point font. It's like, give me caption, give me headline, give me oh, text. Oh, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. They have all of those um, sort of styles established and they're, they're really, they want you to stick with their established styles. Right. Well, the idea behind those. And all that sort of thing. Right. And using those styles means that you don't have to worry about the difference in physical size between the 38 millimeter watch and the yes, 42 exactly. millimeter They'll watch. Handle and, all that. Yeah, that's right. Good. And presumably maybe next year or two years from now, maybe there'll be a 44 millimeter watch and maybe there will be a 36 millimeter one. And your, your stuff will all just work because it's all relative sizes and stuff like that, um, mm -hmm. which I think is probably the way to go. I think it's, you know. Yeah, I think it definitely here, is. Um, Clever and yeah, a smart way to set it up from the outset. Here's my question though. My question is um, I thought it was so interesting that they shipped all these things as PSD files. Do you do you as a designer do you do you do a lot of your work in Photoshop? Oh yes. Every yeah, that's that's mostly what I use eight hours a day is Photoshop. Um Yeah, there just really isn't anything that's like more versatile or better for doing what I do. Not yet anyway. Um I so yeah, I spent I spent a lot of time in Photoshop. I thought that was so interesting that it was it, sort of to to me like a concession it, that Photoshop is the de facto standard UI design tool. Right. Yeah, I, I think it definitely is. I mean, I think it's sort of industry standard. Um, but it's interesting. I mean, it's funny that um, that they do that with um, the typefaces because um, just the way that Photoshop renders text is terrible. I mean, especially compared to like um, the way that just um, OS X renders um, fonts. Like it's, I don't know. You have these different, you know, like you can you can change um, the display of a of a typeface from like um, crisp to strong to smooth. You know, sort of, and, and it like changes things a little bit, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But I don't know. Everything just reads so much more clearly if it's if it's rendered programmatically rather than through Photoshop and then in a PSD. Yeah, anyway. with work with working on on Vesper with um, Whiskus, he does everything. He's you know a total Photoshop diehard. Like again, like yeah. he's 
doing work. He's eight hours a day in Photoshop. And I have to always refrain from complaining about the way type looks because I know that it's 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 not not really going to look like that. Yeah, (laughs) it's not the same rendering path. It's like all text is effectively like for placement only. Like here's how much space it will take up. Wait until the app is actually an app and then bitch about the type. Right. Have you heard of this app, Sketch? Um, I don't know. Mm, That's the other no. app. When when I when I I twittered that uh, pointing out that ev- you know that Apple shipped all these things as Photoshop things and that it's the de facto standard, um, and I got all these people saying that no, everybody's using Sketch these days to do um, interesting to do UI design. And it oh, looks okay. like a cool app. I've never used it, okay. but um, oh yeah, I'm looking but, at it now on their website, and I think um, it looks familiar. I think I like someone has linked to it before, and I just haven't really given it the time of day yet. But oh, it's something to to check out for sure. But you know, I, I often look into other like um, UI design, prototyping tools, things like that, and and sometimes I use them like supplementally. But yeah, I don't know. I just still like live in Photoshop for for most of the time. No, and and you do you have like uh, super like complex like layers, and you yeah, know, like... well, just yeah, tons and tons of groups um, that I turn yeah. off and on for different um, you know views within and different states within a view. So yeah, it gets it gets pretty complicated. It's like one and of my just... favorite things. I don't really use Photoshop anymore personally, but I like to watch somebody who's really good at Photoshop use Photoshop. And then they quick click through mm-hmm. and they have all these groups and like all of a sudden what you're looking at on screen is like totally different. And it's like, whoa, right. how'd you do that? I love that. <laughs> uh, Krista Mergen, thank you. Thank you so much for coming back. It has been too oh, long. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it was fantastic. Uh, all right. People can see your work at uh, Rogue Amoeba and all of mm-hmm. their great apps, uh, rogueamoeba.com. Uh, uh, where you work with a bunch of cool people and a jerk named Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, that guy. <laughs> and on Twitter, they can see you. What's your Twitter uh, username? Um, Antichrista. Anti. Like the Antichrist Krista. with an A on the right. end. Right. Exactly. Um, it's funny. I always forget what people's Twitter names are. <laughs> <laughs> but they should check you out there, uh, and um, you have a uh, pretty good, uh, pretty good uh, Twitter account. Hey, thanks. Thanks. Hey, YouTube. Uh, YouTube, Joe. <laughs> oh no, my Twitter account is terrible. I, I, I. That's where that's where all the crap comes out. <laughs>